are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. You know, we've been celebrating over these last uh, several weeks uh, the fact that many of you have said yes to God. Your pictures are kind of plastered all over our foyers as you have heard God call you and you've said, yes, Lord, I will serve here. I remember being at lunch about two years ago with Doug and Margaret Eaton, and Doug shared with my wife Annette and Margaret uh, that he felt like God was asking him to do something. It was a little bit like Abram. Doug, what do you think God wants you to do? I don't really know what God's asking me to do, but it's something. I knew that Doug's answer, whatever God was asking, was yes. I, I didn't have any idea through the turn of events and uh, an unseen circumstance that would occur where God would say to Doug and Margaret, I'm asking you to leave your country. I'm asking you to go to southern Africa and spend a year of your life serving me there. And, and after being there for a year, they began to feel like God was saying, um, I want you to go back and serve longer than a year. I remember in those early days, I would, I would FaceTime with Doug and Margaret on Wednesdays at about 1.30 or 2 o'clock our time, close to bedtime their time. And we would just catch up. And I would say, Margaret, are you okay? Are you homesick? Are you, are you making it all right? Finally, Margaret said, would you quit asking me if I'm okay? I'm fine. <laughs> Margaret said, we are seeing God move in a powerful way every day that we are here. It is changing our lives. We could not be better. We are exactly where God wants us. And so we're so grateful this morning that Doug and Margaret are serving as on-site coordinators in this little country formerly known as Swaziland, Eswatini. And today you're going to hear what God is doing. So let's welcome Doug as he speaks this morning, shall we? Father, we know we get into habits of thought and practice, even here in this place. Please break through and let us hear your voice. We are here to praise you. We are here to listen to you. We are here to thank you, to rejoice in what you are doing. Amen. What a privilege to share this day of missions with all of you. Margaret and I have sat in those chairs many times over the years with that card in our hand, deciding what our annual giving for missions would be. We're going to do that again today. But our message here today goes beyond that regular mission giving. If you would have, even a year ago, told us that this morning we would be the missionary speaker, I would have said, uh, you're either crazy or you're totally irresponsible. What a difference a year makes. Let me add my expression of admiration to these missionaries that are sitting here and we're standing up here. We understand a little bit better than we did a year ago what joy you had in serving in all kinds of places and in all kinds of conditions. And I'll say to Dennis, your story last Sunday in Sunday school 
about your father, Elmer Smelzenbaugh, along with you, your brother, and your nephew in the throne room of King Sabusa II back in about 1972 was riveting. When the king gathered and thanked your father with these words, we cannot begin to recount all that has happened to our land because your people brought us the gospel of Jesus Christ. This further reinforced the mission of BFC Eswatini Partnership. So in about July of 2017, Margaret and I learned that Dale and Emily journey, journey, well, they were taking a journey. We were taking a journey. Dale and Emily German, our friends right down here, would not physically be able to go back to Eswatini as on-site coordinators. We felt like God was calling us. It would be sort of like pulling up your anchors if you have anchors when you're retired. But we definitely felt like it was our time to say yes. This would be a great adventure. Let me back up a block or two and give you the brief history of this church, BFC's um, history with what we now know and call BFC Eswatini Partnership. Many of you were here in 2008 when our pastor then, David Busick, who is sitting right back here. Dr. Busick, it's great to have you here. Felt like God was leading him and this congregation to concentrate on then Swaziland. The AIDS disaster had reached epidemic proportions. Thousands of people were dying. Dozens of orphans were being created every day. When our church made that decision, there were reportedly 200,000 orphans in a little country of about one million. The HIV AIDS infection levels were the highest of any country in the world. Incidentally, they still are, even though they're lower. Our churches were in constant state of grieving. Our institutions, particularly the medical ones, were in stress, struggling from lack of expertise, equipment, strategy, organization, funding. They were desperate. The world took notice of that need as well as BFC and poured into that little country love, expertise, resources. Barbie Moore, this Wonder Woman leader right down here, was hired as our global outreach director. And this church put their shoulder to the wheel. I'd like to see all of you in these last 10 years that have gone on a go trip or supported someone who did or have given an offering of some type dedicated to the partnership. I'm I'm going to ask you to just stand up. Would you just stand, those of you who have been involved in a direct way in this partnership over these last 10 years? You can just look around. That's pretty awesome. I'm going to, at the risk of leaving out some important people, I'm just going to mention a few who've, key laymen who've, who've, who've gone all in. Uh, Dr. Terry and Susan Hall, Dr. Terry, uh, good friend of all of us, Dr. Paul and Sherry Pat Rothwell, Fred Evans, Ellen and uh, Carter Marsh, John and Carla Cargill, Bill and Amy Dillard, 
have put huge amounts of time and money and prayer into this project. For all of you, about 750 Eswatini visits have happened over those last 10 years. The partnership has fixed churches, drilled water wells, planted gardens, built fences, held the BVSs, supported the HIV task force, worked in the clinics, built child developmental centers, volunteered with the Luke Commission, run sports camps, trained pastors, and we've been sending sustaining funds to keep the gears turning all these 10 years. So who are the partners? Well, there's a double meaning to the concept now. When we started, it was this church and SNU partnering with the Nazarene Church in Eswatini. The local churches, the hospital and the schools and the clinics. It was with the country itself to help bring HIV under control, to do what we could to help vulnerable children, and to help the churches become better resource to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the last 10 years, the partnership idea has expanded to include other U.S. churches. We have people who have gone with us on GO teams. We've had churches that form their own GO teams as a result. The Dean A. McGee Eye Institute, led by Dr. Brad Ferris, came with us 10 years ago, and now they have an independent annual eye clinic ministry in this country. The Montrose Church in Los Angeles, led by Dave Roberts, came on a GO trip, and then about four years ago began organizing their own GO trip missions. And they've been a huge contributor. And now they have uh, an ongoing expectation in their church to be a direct partner in Eswatini. Reverend Larry Morris in the Living Word Church in Houston, same thing, came with us, and now they're a major contributor. Then we created the role of on-site coordinator. A volunteer couple, in all cases, couples, except one, Jess Jenkinson, if you're here, that would volunteer to live in that country for about a year. And some of you are here today. I'd like for you to stand up and let us see you. Those of you who are here who have done what Margaret and I did last year. So we want to thank you, because when Margaret and I were introduced as BFC on-site coordinators, we had instant status, and you are the reason why. And I might add high expectations because of the good work you did. So from all of us, thank you, thank you, and just thank you. So last year, Margaret and I did this work. Like those before us, we worked at gaining personal knowledge of the people and needs of the country in the clinics, in the hospital, in the churches, in the CDCs. We helped schedule and lead work teams from all of the partners and other duties as assigned by Barbie and God. And that's a pretty, that's a pretty good team. Now let, break, let me break here, in here for a commercial. Because during this message, you're going to be thinking, should I go, should I go? And in the foyers today, we'll be signing up. 
So if you're thinking about it, stop by and ask us a question or two. And if you're going to sign up, we'll help you right then. The partnership works under the authority of the International Church of the Nazarene. It's administered through the Eswatini National Nazarene Board and the four district superintendents. So we said our own yes and ended up in Johannesburg on February 1st, 2018. When we got on the shuttle to ride that five hours into Eswatini, it began right then. This growing knowledge that no, not only did we not know what we were getting into, but that God was already beginning to answer our prayers. At that time, we did not know that our getting to know the logistics manager for Children's Cup on that same bus was part of God's greater plan. This series on yes that our pastor has been leading us through has focused on Abram, led, and being willing to be obedient because he trusted God. Not long ago, while in our little flat in Eswatini after praying, God, help, help me explain what's going on is what you are doing. I opened my Bible app, and right in front of me in the message version was some friend of mine's favorite, these words in Romans 4, 1 through 5. So how do we fit what we know of Abraham, our first father in the faith, into this new way of looking at things? If Abraham, by what he did for God, got God to approve him, he could certainly have taken credit for it. But the story we're given is a God story, not an Abraham story. What we read in Scripture is Abraham entered into what God was doing for him, and that was the turning point. He trusted God to set him right, instead of trying to be right on his own. If you're a hard worker and do a good job, you deserve your pay. We don't call your wages a gift. But if you see that the job is too big for you, that it's something only God can do, and you trust him to do it, you could never do it for yourself no matter how hard and long you worked, well, that trusting him to do it is what gets you set right with God. By God. Sheer gift. I can assure you that what has happened in Eswatini in 2018 and in the years prior is a, is a result of God doing what none of us could do on our own. So when we arrived, we were, we were faced with some projects that were waiting for us. Uh, for, for all of us to pray in some resources, and I mean us, literally, uh, I'd like to ask you, if, if you're an official mug-carrying member of the Swaziland prayer team, would you raise your hand high? Look at that. Look all over the room. And you are the core of the prayer team. Others have joined in. Well, the Katunja Church project had been idle for four months. The project had run out of money. God directed us to a brand new contractor by way of our barbecue pit repair. Friend Mike Lloyd stepped in along with BFC to get it started again. We did not then have a budget for this kind of contingency. This church had been stuck for 12 years as a preaching point 
in the chief's homestead. And frankly, the chief was tired of it. And he told the church they needed to move out. So in just a few weeks, the congregation moved into their new church, shouting, singing, with some happy Nazarene dancing. The church was literally reborn and is now an official church with a newly appointed pastor. The Labuvo Church had been worshiping in this typical wood slat building with a snake story for a long time. They had come this far with donations from a deceased fat pastor's family. They're now complete. Roof, windows, doors, floors, water har harvesting system, and a new pastor. The Lubawini Church, here they were. This is how far they had come. This is now. The Magini Church, worshiping in this little shack with the work of their hands all around them. This is now. This is a new after-school building built from the ground up by the Sisabiswini Church with money from our Los Angeles partner. This three-year Soweto project was stuck because of a subcontractor theft. Look at it now. It's changed the community. After we had visited all 20 of our rural community clinics, our Nazarene community clinics, we had an opportunity to present this need to John and Sandra Mitz, who felt that God was calling them to say yes. Eight years ago, this was the start of a badly needed nurses complex. This is what it looks like now. When we got there, we took a hand off from Jess Jenkinson, who's right back here, who we've adopted as our gifted grandchild. He bridged the gap. That was the on-site coordinator just before us. He gave us a letter from this desperate pastor at Tlanguyavuga, Reverend Bungani Shimangu. He had a snake church that was literally falling apart. Can I tell you what a snake church is? We've, we've worked on two of them and another one coming in 2019. When there's a gap between the roof and the walls, in these structures, the bats find that very handy to call home. When the bats move in, the snakes just see three things, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So the snakes hang around. All three stories go like this. When the beautiful music on Sunday morning, sometimes loud, the snake is interested and comes out of hiding to join in. Of course, the congregation sees it and promptly exits the church. It only takes one such incident to make it hard for some to attend that church once they've heard the story or were actually there. This present one had been here since 1957. Money from the Roy Franklin Memorial and our Reach Out class allowed us to find a contractor to go way up north and take this church from this to this in seven weeks. I can't even describe what this is doing for this community. So what does the new church mean? Well, it means more engagement, more community favor, more people, more people to whom to proclaim the saving message of Jesus Christ. I'm not sure what the average jump in attendance is or how to measure pastor engagement I'd ask a district superintendent if there was a study. He said, no. I said, how do you know? 
You say, we know. It just happens. That's what happens when a church is completed. In 2019, we will continue to come alongside congregations so the growth of the kingdom continues to be the central intent of the partnership. In our agreement that we make with these churches, we've added a requirement for a community outreach plan to be part of the qualifications for construction help. With your help, this next year, we will complete six additional building projects. It will be an exciting year. Well, there's no other way to say it. The kingdom of Eswatini is broke. It's important for you to know that because it's affecting everything in a negative way for our institutions. Southern African Nazarene University is doing great work, but SANU student grants are paid by the government. They are months slow at time. The school runs those, on those funds. At the hospital and clinics, all salaries, including the doctors, are paid for by the government. Our hospital has been running a deficit for years, and the funding for salaries for doctors and nurses and medicine is paid by the government. To add insult to injury, on top of the current debt, the government has just announced that the funding for 2019 will be 20% lower. Our efforts to create sustaining programs for our institutions are critical. There are four initiatives I'd like to talk with you about this morning, but I want to add, as desperate as things are and seem to be, we are hopeful. God is moving, and you're a part of that. Here's the first. In the last 15 years, most of Southern Africa has been in deep HIV-AIDS crisis. Crisis is not over. But with discipline testing, then application of antiretroviral treatments to the HIV-positive population, both the early deaths and the transmittability of the virus have been drastically reduced. The heavy and necessary focus on HIV continues, but it has taken vast amounts of money from governments and organizations all over the world. And as AIDS and HIV have been the focus, the rise of non-communicable diseases has been on the rise and will probably this year surpass the deaths of the HIV crisis. Our partnership is currently in the process of developing a funding proposal to be submitted to medical granting organizations to build the first non-communicable disease center in the country. This is an ambitious but realistically conceived project. We're building the case in a professional way. Some of your offering will fund the grant writing and presentation process, and we will keep you updated on that progress. The second big project at SANU, we have a school of nursing, a school of pharmacy, a school of business, a school of education, and a school of theology. Students can qualify for government stipends for all the schools except the School of Theology. And as a result, over the years, our student count in that school has gone lower, lower, and lower. The tuition income is so low the school has trouble keeping up with basic maintenance and facilities and paying quality professors. 
Paying for financial aid for theology students is out of the question. So many of you know, several years ago, we initiated a gallant attempt to create a commercial farm on theology school land to support the School of Theology. I must tell you that several of our members, especially Bill and Amy Dillard, have invested tons of money and hours in the project called Mana Farms. So far, those attempts are yet to produce the results called for in the plan. It's been five years of struggle and loss, disappointment and discouragement. But I have good news for you this morning. Bill and Amy and the Mana Farms Board have not given up. We believe that in the next Asano Board of Governors meeting on February 5th, we will get the news that the concept paper to join AFGRI, the largest agricultural company on the continent of Africa, with Mana Farms and Sanu will be approved. And new life will come to Mana Farms. When that happens, we will put the very positive water surveyor's plan into action. And if we get a positive flow, we're off to the races. We believe this will happen. Some of you may want to give to this water development project. It's critical. This farming operation will be more than growing profitable crops. It will be a training center to develop future farms, scientifically planted, fertilized, tended, harvested by young future pastors with professional management. The number of theology students then can grow and our pastors will have practical experience to support their future and their congregations. Here's the third one. Remember when I told you a few minutes ago about that children's cup guy we met on the bus coming from Joburg to Manzini? Dave Van Ransberger took us on a little trip and we visited one of their 21 feeding points. As a result of that meeting, we have been, we've become serious seekers of information about Feed My Starving Children, which supplies the food to Children's Cup in Eswatini. Can you imagine having a supply of that kind of food distributed to our two child development centers, our 20 clinics, our small churches, even our primary schools? Well, we're working on a program to provide the transportation to get it to Eswatini because that's not free. But even beyond that, the most exciting thing is a linked program called Feed My Starving Children Marketplace in which our formerly hungry people are taught a skill that produces a product that is purchased in Eswatini that makes its way back to America to be sold to the 1.3 million volunteers who pack the food for Feed My Starving Children. Thirteen of us did the packing experience two days ago in Richardson, Texas. And we saw that system at work. We think we're on to something here. That the poorest congregations might have a way to actually pay their pastors so maybe the pastors could move into the community they're preaching to. And the people there could begin to self-sustain those little churches. Margaret and I just returned from a three-day Feed My Starving Children conference in Florida that rocked our minds and hearts 
food delivery ministries from all over the world that distribute this food shared, our, shared their stories. We think we have some direction here. Pray with us on bringing Eswatini-based ministries together with us. Pray for pastors and leaders to become invested in this needed ministry. And here's a fourth one. So in September, Barbie got a call from Heart to Heart International asking if we would be interested in being considered for a three-year project with one of their longtime donors. Would we submit a review of our needs, and if chosen, would we be willing to be in competition with two other countries to get that grant? Well, we jumped on it. And in October, a month later, we were informed that we were indeed selected to be one of the three to be considered. Some of you know that in November, after we returned here for homecoming, Margaret and I flew back to meet heart-to-heart assessors, and we took them for five days around to show them the needs in person. Well, let me, I guess it's drum roll time, maybe. We have just recently been informed that our project, our country, Eswatini, has been selected. All that remains is the approval of the project planned by the sponsoring company. So don't quit praying, but you can pray with a smile on your face. When we got that call, we looked at each other and said, uh, he just did it again. Did we even know how to pray for this one? No. Margaret's been keeping a list of he just did it agains. So when preparing to talk with you this morning, I asked her to read them out loud to me. She had 54 of them on her list. I'm not going all 54. But they included the girl standing by herself in the back country forking the road that knew our lost driver from 10 years ago, or the dying Monica with her three young children coming to our door, or finding Hosea's heart, the home for at-risk girls from an overheard conversation at the coffee shop, the weird discovery of our Eswatini 5K race director and sponsor, finding our most reliable construction contractor through our broken barbecue pit, feeding the multitudes at the Eswatini barbecue, our our water coming back on just in time for a visiting Sims team, Wondili and Fortunate being supplied with uniforms and tuition, BP cuffs, that's blood pressure cuffs from Welch Allen showing up. California endodontist Dr. Jim Sanfilippo showing up out of nowhere, then training and helping to reprovision the Gasset Dental Clinic. Years-old sour relationships coming back together. Access to Harmon's Rock through the grumpy squatter's place. By this time, as she was reading, my cheeks were wet, and it goes on. Everything we've talked about today has God himself all over it. Okay, we admit that Eswatini might be a setting that requires more dependence on God. I get that. Here, 
our familiarity with our own cultural groove in the life we live every day camouflage is what God is actually doing. And much of the time, short circuits our need to trust Him. Let's quit that if we can. What might happen in our lives if we took on Romans 12.1, way of living? Here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Now get this. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Trust Him. Start the day, then throughout the day. Jesus, what would you have me do? Then listen. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.